0: Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, the intern whisperer. Our show is brought to you by Employers for Change, and today's tip of the week continues our focus on unconscious bias in the area of beauty. Now, Beauty bias is a social behavior where people believe that attractive people are more successful, competent, and qualified. While appearance, race aside, is not protected by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, it is a form of bias that is prominent in the workplace. Many people connect beauty to higher levels of intelligence, social skills, and physical health. This works to the advantage and disadvantage of attractive workers. So, while appearance, race aside, is not protected by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, it is a form of bias that is prominent in the workplace. Many people connect beauty to higher levels of intelligence, social skills, and physical health. This can work to the advantage and the disadvantage of attractive workers. Physically attractive workers can go on to earn up to 15% more than less attractive workers. But attractive candidates may also be discriminated against by hiring teams due to perceived entitlement. So how can you avoid beauty bias? Well, to avoid that, companies should create structured recruiting and interview processes so that the team will be able to compare applications and interviews equally and reduce the risk of bias. Phone screenings, as opposed to video calls, and unbiased technologies can also help teams identify top candidates. So welcome to The Interim Whisper, Our show is all about the future of work. Today's guest is, so I want to welcome Carol Ann Dykes-Logue to the show. She is the Director of Programs and Operations uh, person over there at UCF Innovation Districts and Incubation Program. She is, this is how I define her, she is a community builder, a woman in tech that is highly regarded in our community, and a, I consider a futurist. So welcome to the show. Thank you,
1: Isabel, and thank you for that. Yeah, I'll take that introduction. Okay, well, this is true,
0: though. This is how I see you. Um, So UCF, I know it has eight incubators. You're like a legend in all of this area of Central Florida, but I usually kick it off so that we talk about five words that describe you and why those five words. So we went over this a little bit. Mm And if you need some prompting, it's okay, but I know you came up with six, so you're allowed and six. And I'll
1: probably come up with different ones this time, That's right? fine,
0: <laughs> that's fine. I'll help you, though. The first one you said is, well, it's the last one you said, positive.
1: Positive, yeah. yes, which I define myself that way, and many others do, too, because I do tend to be optimistic, and a lot of that is because of my faith, but also because I look past the dark and the not so good in the world, and I just assume that everybody I meet is really special and has their own unique story and has something that I can learn from or some way I can help them. They have a place on this earth, whether I ever really know what it is or not, but, and there's just so much to be thankful for Mm -hmm. in life.
0: That's true. Uh, I was really, um, I remember when I first met you and you were down at, I know we're a little bit off course here, but it was the first time I met you and you're down at the UCF incubator in research park. And I was talking to you about my idea and you were saying, okay, now you need to go back and you need to write a business plan. And you put me on the right path. And that was the first time. And you're so knowledgeable and you just, you touch more people's lives than I think that you ever know.
1: I believe that. Yeah. I think that we all do. Sure. Yeah. That ripple effect. Yes. You touch one person, that person touches somebody else, or you say something in a crowd, or a speech, or a presentation, or on a podcast. Those of you yeah. out there, and you just never know many times what mm-hmm. impact it has. Cause that's true with my life too. People that I've heard, or people that I've met really just in passing or Watched from afar Mm -hmm. and had a big impact from. So positive, that was one word. I know that I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I can go down a rabbit hole real fast (laughs) if I hear a word or a name or somebody mentions something or a question pops into my head and I just want to find out where'd that come from? What does that mean? What's behind that name? What's the history of that? There's so much around me, around us and our world that we just aren't curious about. How often do you drive down a street or drive through a little town and you see the name of the street or the name of the town and think, I wonder why it's called that? Thank goodness with the internet these days, there's a lot that we can find and it's fascinating what we learn about things or what's the name of the company, Where what's behind that? What's the mm-hmm. story? I always ask entrepreneurs or almost always, I try to remember when I meet an entrepreneur for the first time, tell me the story behind the name of your company because it says something about them. Mm-hmm. Words mean something or just yeah, so many things. Anyway, part of it goes back to just, my, my background, I think too, but um, I, I love to learn about things. I'm just really curious. I think that I'm, and many other people would describe me as a connector. I don't think yeah. I came up with that word earlier, but that tends to be one of the mm-hmm. things I find that I do, no matter what professional role I'm in, it's something I get excited about. It is just a gift that I've been given to use to see those potential connections and want to make connections for people because I feel like it's something that would be helpful to them mm-hmm. certainly that oh what other words you oh, said blessed oh blessed oh goodness that's why I didn't start out with that one I don't know because I because I gave, gave you positive positive. But and, <laughs> and I am positively blessed <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just I just am and certainly in so many ways from a material perspective and privilege to live in Orlando and United States of America and in a place that's not racked by war and famine and all sorts of things that so many people in the world go through I don't go through every day wondering where my next meal is going to come mm. from or not having a bed to sleep in or worried about walking out of my house or being shot you know although I guess we could be but but I don't I don't worry about that so yeah because I'm just so blessed to be where I am to have the professional environment that I have to have the friends I have absolutely beyond blessed to have the family that I have the husband that I have and just just blessed
0: so you also said resourceful I think Mm -hmm. you're very much so because you work in a school environment Mm -hmm. we all know that schools no matter how big they are, they really don't have these massive budgets that people think they do. So how do you do it with like practically
1: zero budget? So it is an interesting task to be entrepreneurial in an academic environment. And as you know, the other half of my role at UCF is with the Department of Defense, the federal government. So there's another interesting challenge there to be resourceful and support and serve customers and get funding from customers through a university to do very entrepreneurial things (laughs) so but a lot of times it's it's not so much about the amount of money you have or resources you have it's how you look at what the problem is and what the need is and many times you don't need the amount of resources that you might have thought you did initially until you really get into it Mm -hmm. so and just resourceful in solving problems and not taking no for an answer going back to being positive Mm -hmm. always believing that there is a way to get from here to there it may not be obvious and there may be a lot of people along the way that think there are not because they may not understand or they may not see that it's okay to think differently Mm -hmm. so you just keep asking nicely yeah that's very true
0: you mentioned um energetic
1: Mm. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) you go to a lot of events I do (laughs) and
1: I go to a lot fewer than I used (laughs) to actually but part of it is because as the world has come out of a very unusual time when we were all very isolated and events quit happening and we all went virtual and there's still a lot of virtual Connectivity in this world. I have seen in this community, and I think in general, because I find I'm on airplanes more now, again, that there's just this desire to be together in person because that is an innate part of who we are yeah. as humans. Uh, and the understanding that there's a richness there to being in person that you're not going to get. But For me and in this community and in the roles that I have at UCF, it's important to be out in the community and connect with organizations across the community and give visibility to the incubation program, to Central Florida Tech Grove, certainly be an ambassador for UCF. And I don't get enough sleep, I understand, and I do have the ability to move pretty quickly through things for the most part and get a lot done, be pretty efficient. A friend of mine decided a little while ago that he'd come up with a superhero name for me and he said, it's the blur. <laughs> so, <laughs> because you're always moving so fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be true. That would be true. Um, all right. So now we move on to the next section where, where did you go to school? Mm-hmm. What was your major? How did you end up to where you are now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I know you've been here for oh, a long time, long time in Central Florida. And, and
1: not by design. Most much of my career has not been by design. But let's start back at the beginning. Very, very short, quickly. I am, much to many folks' surprise, a very simple farm girl from Arkansas. I grew up on a farm. I mean in the middle of nowhere went to a very small public school system in eastern arkansas and am utterly completely blessed to have grown up in that environment that so few people today grow up in that kind of agricultural rural environment where you really are in nature that mm-hmm. close to the earth you you see where food comes from you you see where Yeah, the life cycle. You see see the life cycle. You understand the power and the importance of nature, Mm -hmm. of weather, yeah, all sorts of things. So that is where I uh, was blessed to grow up. Went to the University of Arkansas, where I just was headed to med school, as far as I was concerned, because of uh, some other things I'd been exposed to early in life. But got a little sidetracked while I was in undergraduate school. My my graduate degree was in pre-med, but I had worked in the library part-time at the University of Arkansas Fayetteville campus and was really fascinated by knowledge, information management and the really, really, really early days of electronic information hmm. that was really early in those days. I thought, oh, gee, now I'm really torn. I really love this stuff, this information management, but I really love healthcare and medicine and biology and what in the heck am I gonna do? I did a little research because I am curious and just stumbled on the fact that I could go and get a master's degree in library and information science with a specialization in healthcare, which is what I did. I graduated from University of Arkansas, drove south to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to Louisiana State University, where I completed a master's in library and information science, went in healthcare, ended up applying for one job when I was about to graduate, and that was back in Arkansas at the University of Arkansas Medical School, where uh, I was blessed to be offered a position there because of background I had, and worked there for a number of years, early days of online databases because a lot of the early online databases really started in medicine and defense so does that make you a librarian i am a librarian and i am proud to say that i put my glasses on and put my hair in a bun and i can (laughs) i can meet that stereotype but uh you but that's very unlikely you'll run into too many these days in that world because libraries and it's interesting it's a little sidetrack but Today, it's been wonderful to watch the progression of libraries, media centers yeah. because they really are a heartbeat of a community so many times. And if you look at our Orange County Public Library mm-hmm. system and how extraordinary it is, yeah, it's a fun how they've evolved to uh, as many libraries have to meet the needs of community and yet be still that fundamental basic resource for for reading and comprehending and exploring the world through literature. well they
0: fill a gap that we haven't had too because they've taken some classes away that were mm-hmm. in uh, secondary education mm-hmm. and they turn them into like maker spaces so there's like sewing labs there's yeah. 3d printing if that's what you want they have all kinds all of things kinds
1: of resources and computers and exposure to technology And yes so yes so that's Part of my background, I was uh, there in Little Rock, uh, ended up uh, through a marriage, moving to San Diego, where I was actually just working in, in an accounting firm for a while. <laughs> That's another, this is another long part of the story. My husband at the time decided he wanted to go back to college. He was in the Marine Corps. And I wanted to go to Officer Candidate School, I get his, you know, college degree. We looked at a list of universities. We said, well, we don't really want to go north. We're both from Arkansas. We live in San Diego. Let's just go across country to the University of Florida because they were on the list. Marine Corps yeah. going to pay for it, right? So we did. That's how I ended up in Florida. At the University of Florida at the time. It's pretty rural there, too. Yeah, it was at the time. Yeah. yeah, Gainesville's not quite as rural as it used to be. And it's a magnificent university town. It is. With a, a really world class university that I'm proud to have been on the faculty of for quite a while. Initially, I was in the library there a couple of years after I got there. And this is where the connection starts to make sense. I was approached by a center anchored in the College of Engineering at University of Florida that was funded by NASA and was one of their technology transfer and commercialization support centers. They knew I had that deep, well, what was then an unusual background in online database information retrieval. I had a scientific background and they said, we really need you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, tell me more. Sounded like an interesting opportunity, so I went across the street and joined the faculty at the College of Engineering where I was very blessed to be for a number of years working with companies that were interested in partnering with NASA and other federal agencies to pull innovation out of the agency and commercialize it, build business plans around it, go after this was the really early days of the small business innovation research, right? right. SBRs, TTR programs, other things like that, doing a lot of market research to support them, to support NASA's decision about what even made sense to try to commercialize, working with other agencies because of that, because NASA was one of the few, really the only agency that had a true national tech transfer network at that time. I was there for a while, then uh, got recruited by a uh, gentleman that had, privatized a program out of the Defense Intelligence Agency that we'd actually been supporting through that center at University of Florida. And he decided that I was the candidate he needed as a vice president for information services. So joined that firm and uh, was down in South Florida for a little while with them, working with um, some defense companies and some other interesting organizations, doing some unclassified research, information research for them. After a couple of years, got a call from University of Florida, same center. said, we've got a brand new program that we've been funded by NASA to run, and we really would like you to come back and run it. Hmm. Circumstances in life were just such that that was a good, good move at the time for me and the family, so we went back to Gainesville where I was with that same center working across the Southeast part of the U S and work, uh, universities and companies and multiple federal agencies. And it was through that role that I became familiar with a number of folks at the university of central Florida, because UCF was part of our Southeast regional network to help carry out the work we were doing for NASA. So I'm, met Dr. O'Neill and Dr. Swallow and several of the other folks that had been really instrumental at UCF in the early days, watched them start this thing called an incubator, even helped do a little work with some of the companies early on. And on one of my visits to Orlando to visit our office at UCF, Dr. O'Neill approached me and said... I really need help. And you kind of seem to know how to do this stuff. So what you think about coming? I was went... that when the school was called FTU? No, no. It was only FTU for the first couple of years.
0: My dad went to school there for a second master's oh, okay. and it was FTU.
1: Yeah. So I don't 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 remember when the name officially changed, but that was in the early 70s yeah, it when was. that name change took place. Because you see, I was 60 years old this year, so still mm-hmm. fairly young university to be the second largest in the country but, that is uh, true yeah so the incubation programs this is the 23rd year for the incubation program hmm. i i came not at the very beginning a few years into it but just another example that as you've seen or hopefully you've heard in my story is that most of my career path it's not been because i went looking for something it is because i was somewhere feeling very blessed with what I had the chance to do and was learning and contributing. And Mm -hmm. somebody that I met along the way thought I had some of what they needed to fill a role that they had. And that really is how my journey has unfolded. So you probably didn't know this, but my first
0: two years of college was at university of Florida.
1: No, I didn't. Yeah. So go Gators. All right. Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) I pledged a sorority house there. And then I transferred to FSU, did the walk of shame, got sent home because I flunked out, (laughs) went back to school and I put myself through Rollins College and took my education classes at UCF. So I'm pretty.
1: You're pretty equally, Yeah. Yeah. I I know a lot of those schools now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's different when you're paying your own bill. It is. I made A's. (laughs) There's no worries. Um, I have another unrelated question. So you lived on a farm. Okay. When I was a kid, I grew up in Kansas Mm, and very rural. And I always had, but we didn't live in the country, um, always had an idea that this would be so much fun. Don't really know why. It would be great to live on a farm, have a giant mud puddle, diving board, and just swim in the mud. Did you do that?
1: Oh Well, we have a mud puddle but we had irrigation ponds so yeah. then some of them were pretty darn big and irrigation channels yeah that we actually could kind of row down in a little boat so yeah
0: oh okay so <laughs> I was going you know how you go to a spa and you're yeah. thinking it's going to be a a mud, mud a mud, mud facial face. right and I'm going that would be like the best mud facial
1: ever <laughs> yeah like- well the muddiest the muddy spots that we had on the farm were actually where we were raising hogs, so I would not oh. recommend that as a mud bath. Mm-hmm. The hogs that was the hog mud bath. I didn't. So know did that. you have crops or we did cotton, soybeans, peanuts, little rice, raised hogs. Wow, yeah, chickens? No chickens, pigs.
0: that's a that's a lot. Did you ever? This is like a gru- gruesome thing. But did you ever partake in slaughtering them no, for food?
1: No, they would get sent off in the truck. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes, And for those that are listening that are vegetarians, I do understand the, the issues that that, that brings because it, yeah. it, was, it was a reality and of, uh, of the world and of farming still is. Yeah. What was that book? There was
0: one about a slaughterhouse. Mm, John Sinclair wrote it.
1: Yes. I I vaguely remember what you're talking about. I think
0: it's called the slaughterhouse. I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. Anyway, going back over here, what is the hardest lesson that you learned that changed
1: your life? That's a wonderful question to reflect on. And it's an easy one for me to answer because we do tend to remember pain and those lessons that are most painful stick with us. It took me a a long time to get to the point in my life, uh, in a and this was when I was in a particular situation and particular work environment, especially that I had to learn the lesson that someone else's insecurities and fears and feeling threatened by another person, I didn't need to take ownership of that even though it felt very personal a lot of times, the way it played out. But it I came to realize that whether it was, if there had been somebody else in the same role, it they would have treated them the same way. Mm-hmm. It gave me a heart of compassion mm. for someone that it's been very hard for me to care for and respect even. As I came to understand that, that it was not, it was not personal. It was fear and insecurity Mm -hmm. that they were grappling with. And that's a very sad way to live life. Mm -hmm. And as I came to see that in that situation, it just really has helped me see it more and more in people that I encounter because I think so many people are so many of us. We fears an innate part of who yeah. we are and it manifests itself in so many different ways. Many times it looks like arrogance. It looks like meanness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It can look like timidness, anger, anger is uh, a big one. Yeah. yeah. But I have through, Reading the scripture through just a lot of observation of people and coming to see myself very clearly. I really have come to believe personally that fear is the fundamental emotion that we all deal with and are driven by. And very often we're unaware of it. We don't know that that's the name of it of what we're feeling, because it manifests itself, as we were talking about, in some other way.
0: Mm -hmm. This ties into uh, your favorite quote, Mm -hmm. and we looked this one up, so I'll read it because you can expound on it for sure. I thought it was beautiful too. You said, um, er, the earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush of fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, thinking back to the words I responded with about describing myself: positive, curious, the optimistic part of me. Uh, there's <laughs> so easy. It's always been easy. This is not new people out there listening there's nothing new in history really (laughs) just go read your history books you know Mm. times have been darker times have been worse there's other than in the garden of eden there's not been a time when there wasn't darkness and evil and violence and greed and reasons to be fearful for our life and suffering It's just part of who we are as humans uh, right now unfortunately however there is so much goodness in this world and people there's so much beauty in nature there's just so much i look at I look at this wall it's Right. the color i mean look at that it's color. really vibrant look right to a flower shop walk into a botanical garden and do you not marvel at how well, could Where could this creativity have come from? Mm -hmm. Look at art. You walk into this building, which is arts and entertainment. Mm -hmm. And just think about the gifts that people have been given. You walk out in nature. You look at the ocean, you go to the mountains, you just, you read a book and how do people come up with this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. There is just so much to be grateful for. And there's so much that brings beauty and joy for me in life. And that's how I see life every day.
0: You know that's that's really a a wonderful thing to see because it's there's a a quote that comes from um uh Pretty Woman when Julia Roberts is the, you know laying in bed and she says it's so easy to believe the bad stuff. yeah But it's it's
1: hard to you, believe the positive. You have to be intentional. Yeah. You have to I don't watch And the that's news. what you're saying and I intentionally shield myself at times because human nature will take you down that path huh. i don't watch a lot of news on tv i i'll listen to some radio stations i'll listen to some podcasts, but i choose i'm thoughtful about what i put in my brain
0: mm-hmm. and what
1: i let my eyes see not because i'm trying to shield myself from reality because it's there and i'm very realistic about Human trafficking. You're being a good steward. Yes, I I I don't need to seek the darkness. It's Mm -hmm. there. It's easy to see, but I do have to be intentional about not letting the darkness suck me in.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yep. And those are choices. Everything in life is a choice. We can choose to go to the right, to the left. Think positively. Think negatively. Just everything is a choice. What are you most grateful for? I am
1: so grateful that God loves me, forgives me, and that He's chosen to bless me with a most amazing husband, incredible children, an absolutely amazing circle of friends and acquaintances, and ability to just find joy in little things Mm -hmm. and not be dependent on the external things to be mm-hmm. joyful and grateful.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just realize everything we have, it's already met. We have what we need and then we have abundance because we have so much that we want. want. And Yeah. And that we can just go get without, Thinking about it too often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almond joys.
1: Yum. <laughs> Ooh, coconut, chocolate, and almonds. Doesn't yeah, get much better. I, yeah. Agree. I agree. I
0: agree. <laughs> in there. But in other countries, I might not be able to get that. <laughs>
1: That's right.
0: That's right. Uh, who in your life has had the biggest impact and how so? My
1: paternal grandmother. I was blessed that she lived in the same, in the community close by where I grew up. So I really grew up on the family farm that my grandfather had started. And my grandfather ran the little general store in the town nearby. I spent a lot of days and nights and time at my grandmother's house and at her side. She was a remarkable woman who was determined she was very curious. She was a writer. She was a historian. She made some really remarkable contributions to discovering history behind towns and cities and would I still remember putting on boots and long pants and long sleeve shirts and tromping through just growth in the forest to find long overgrown graveyards because she did two whole books of uh, graveyards burial plots like ancestry.com yeah, she yeah. was into she, genealogy bef- before the, yes she did a lot of genealogy and not just ge- not just family genealogy but just historically you know who, mm. who grew up in this area who's buried here going back a long time is that time.
0: considered a part
1: of the census it sounds like it was it's it, it contributed to that certainly she started a historical club she helped start the library in a small town close by the farm where I grew up and just she was a just a very strong positive woman five children when she was a Jesus girl she was she was one of the, the first one of the first women to graduate from the university she went to because, mm. you know um, so just very influential and um, I personality wise I tend to be a lot like her and I remember, Clearly, growing up, when my mother would get ir- most irritated with me, she would just shake her head and say, "You're just like your grandmother." <laughs> and I'd go, "Thank you." <laughs> That's not a bad thing. That's right. Oh, and and she she took me traveling. I had my first airplane, my first my first few international trips. It was my grandmother took me with her on trips. Yeah. Did, was she married? Yeah, yeah. So the
0: yeah. grandmother, not as much the grandfather. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. He he was. He didn't like to do that stuff so much. He stayed and ran the store and then he did pass away earlier, uh, quite a few years before she did. So, hmm. yeah.
0: so a little bit of entrepreneurs in your life too. You said yeah. they had a store. Yeah. So yeah. And I think being a farmer, farmer is a lot like
1: a lot, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really hard. It's farming. A, it's, it's high capital and, and a lot of cost and a lot of, a lot of very demanding, mm-hmm. very unpredictable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm uh let's see what would you like
1: to be remembered for being kind and bringing bringing out the best in people i think you do that helping them be their best self however you want to work Mm -hmm. yeah that's all that really matters and that and the legacy we live that's the legacy we leave how we touch other people and our children yeah. Her children are a legacy. You have children? Yes. I have a son and two uh, stepchildren, all grown, all off on their own, still waiting for grandkids. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Do they live here? They do not. My son and daughter-in-law just arrived in Anchorage, Alaska. They're both physicians. She's in the Air Force. So wow. She's uh, just started her job as an internal medicine doctor at the Air Force Base there and Son just accepted a position with a positions group. So they're up in beautiful Anchorage, Alaska for a while. Have you been there? Not yet, but I will be going to save the Yeah. Least. Yeah. I can't wait. It's a stepson in Atlanta, thriving, doing extraordinarily well in his real estate finance background, working for a development company up there, and stepdaughter and her husband that live in Nashville. She's an extraordinary, talented um, salon stylist, and her husband, Jack, is actually the lead guitarist and songwriter for Jelly Roll, for those who might be familiar with Jelly Roll, who is a quite a phenomenon these days, swept the country music awards. Hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm going to have to go look that one yes. up. Yes. So we're going to take a break and acknowledge our sponsor, Transcend Network, and we'll be right back. Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for ed tech and the future of work technologies. The intern whisperer is affiliated with Employers for Change, and we thank Transcend Network for being
1: a sponsor of our show.
0: So we're back to the second half of our show. We talk about the future of jobs jobs, industries, and 2030. So this is anybody's game, you know, throw the die. It's it's all good. Um, What do you think 2030 is going to look like? Because some people pull from the Jetsons, some people go to Terminator. I don't know, it could be anything, right? So what do you think it's going to look like?
1: 2030, seven years from now. Well, we're halfway through the year. So we are. So six and a half years. And the pace of innovation that i'm exposed to in the universe that i'm in we will certainly see a lot more autonomous robotics artificial intelligence machine learning immersive technologies none of which are new by the way (laughs) these have all been out there for a very long time but like many innovations timing is everything and circumstances are everything and it many technologies as new discoveries have been made are, are really rising to the forefront to come together because all those things that I mentioned, immersive technologies, AI, robotics, autonomous, they they all feed each other. And there's just been an enormous amount of scientific discoveries. So I see certainly a lot more efficiency. We're already seeing that with autonomous and robotics and AI, and that will continue to Automate that word scares a lot of people, but it's really just about bringing efficiency to not take away jobs. That's not the point. It is to free up tedious (laughs) tasks, tedious tasks that we really don't benefit from spending an enormous amount of manual time and energy on. So, our listeners copy and paste, copy and paste. (laughs) That would be a (laughs) tedious task. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of them that actually come to that, but uh. We will see a lot of individuals in the workforce that are a lot more of the continuous learning. We mm-hmm. see that now, but I that will accelerate because increasingly, we cannot survive and thrive or understand the world we're in without continuously learning new skills. So everybody out there, don't be afraid. get on. YouTube, get on LinkedIn Learning, go to your library, do, you know, there's so many ways to just take short courses and learn about things and upscale yourself so that you're aware of what's going on. What I hope we see, and I'm going being my optimistic self, I'm going to say we will also see in this increasing world of, of automation and efficiency that we will see as humans that we become more humanly engaged Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as we remove that burden of the tediousness. I think we have two choices. Either we isolate from each other or we choose to use that to connect because we have the time and we have reason to connect because the we are gifted as human beings to have the highest, most complex level of a brain possible out there.
0: Yeah. We're made for for
1: relationships. Mm -hmm. We're made for creative thinking and no AI and all that's great, but it is not going to We're a long ways from Mm -hmm. replacing a human brain, no matter how efficient it may seem.
0: You know, what I like is the fact that you oversee eight incubators Volusia, right? It's Volusia, Seminole, Orange, Osceola Seattle County, and soon to be nine, Lake County. We open Lake wow. County in September. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. So I sit here and I think about everything that you see. These mm-hmm. are all kinds of startups all the way across. Mm-hmm. They could be flying cars. They could go and be, um, I think I know over at the um, the branch where Michael is on Colonial, is. Um, th- it was like It was a race, Spartan. Was it Spartan? Spartan, Yeah. 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 And I remember when they were like nothing. Same. Yeah. 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 So you've seen a lot of amazing concepts come out of it. You're also a part of uh, like what we do with Synapse. Mm -hmm. There's the photon. uh, Photonics. Photonics. Yeah. Yeah. That's out there. That's a part in Research Mm Parkour. You're exposed to so much. It's like, I, I think you would be, you guys out there would be some of the best judges as, yeah, this is what's coming. Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's not hard to see because there's, there's two different views of what trends are. One is the technological trends, which tend to lag market trends because we see it. And by the world that I've been in most of my career, I see a lot of stunning innovation, a lot of amazing technology that is developed, but the market's not ready for it yet. So though you have to balance those two. Just because there's a lot of buzz about technology stuff doesn't mean that you're going to see it in the market yet. <laughs> um, so I look at market conditions and what's being adopted, what's being utilized.
0: Okay, I know you probably can't say, but do you see Jetson flying cars?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, Lilium's already building their their wow air taxi heliport in Lake Nona, the German company. They've they announced a few years ago. Does it look like the Jetsons, uh, George Jetson's car? It it looks a little nicer than that, I think so. And actually, we've had two or three companies apply to the incubator in recent years that they are air air taxis autonomous. Air taxis, that absolutely is a real thing. And mm-hmm. it will not be too long before we see that uh, actually in use. Federal Aviation Administration, if you go to their next gen center where they look at the future airport of the world and they're monitoring and simulating that. Air taxis are absolutely a part of that. So you've gone to
0: Groundswell, right? Over uh, there. Yeah, I go down there quite often. Yeah. So, um... I always sit here and I think, you know, how could we go to space in more lightweight but safe vehicles? I, I that show I told you about the future of. Mm-hmm. They were talking about having um, a hotel that would mm-hmm. be on the moon, mm-hmm. and we would be able to stay there. And there was a uh, when I I listened to it again last week, and they were talking about how there's just deep oceans of water on the dark side of the moon that people don't know. I so would love to follow you for a week and just see all of the cool stuff that you Come see. On.
1: Come
0: on. I yeah, I <laughs> I definitely want to.
1: <laughs> There's people that I know that I say that about. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know Baron Mills, he's
1: over there with um yeah. the Phototonics, right? Yeah. college our College of Optics and Photonics and then also with the Florida Photonics Cluster.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so many cool things. Yeah. Well, have you seen robots out there? Do oh, they have
1: robots? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They're, very, has... they're functional robots, of of course. Like the don't. Boston
0: yeah they, that look like
1: dogs, for example. Uh, if you were to go, well, you can't go to some of the areas of Patrick Space Force Base right. here on the Space Coast. Uh, they have robotic security guards on hmm. the beach, and I've had the chance to actually, in fact, I had Space Force some of the guardians come to Groundswell for an event that I hosted when I was there and they brought one of the robots. So. Okay, that's yeah. straight from Black Mirror. you. Can just ask so you know. Okay, well, you guys yeah. sharing about it, but yeah, it's really cool. And uh, these robots are monitoring the perimeter of uh, Patrick's Space Force mm-hmm. base. And so that's not real new. South no, North it's South. not. Yeah. There's robots in a restaurant in Osceola County mm-hmm. that deliver your food to yes. your table. Absolutely, yes. And I think we'll see those increasingly, certainly, because it's a matter of great efficiency. If you go into a lot of healthcare hospitals these days, you see robots that deliver the medicine. So a lot of that's been around for a while, just maybe hasn't been as adopted uh, Mm -hmm. as extensively as we're starting to see it now, Mm -hmm. other than in industrial sites, which most people don't see. Mm -hmm. Most of us aren't walking around manufacturing floors very Mm -hmm. often, where they've had an enormous amount of robotics for a very long time if you go into any i was recently over in um hungary and had a chance to tour audi's largest manufacturing facility on the planet and the robotics in there were just stunning but that's how they make all those guys so let's also point out
0: the um ucf the health center that's out there in Lake Nona mm-hmm. and the Whit House and all yep. of those cool things. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some of that. What is the uh, medical? I know it's the UCF Medical Center, but there is a health incubator that's out there in that Lake Nona area.
1: That is one of our UCF incubators, mm-hmm. our Life Sciences incubator. There you go. And it's on the second floor of the Guidewell Building in Lake Nona, and it is a biotech incubator. Mm-hmm. that's what it was built. The physical facility was built for because it's uh, the only facility in Central Florida with biotech, life sciences, laboratories like that, that you can rent for you know a few years as mm-hmm. a young company and then graduate out of. And we've been fortunate to have a number of companies that have successfully graduated out of there. We have a few offices in there as well. We have other companies that are not in the lab but they're working on digital healthcare solutions or other products that they don't actually need that laboratory space. But that's where that incubator needed to be because it is in the health part of a cluster of healthcare industries. There's a lot more to Lake Nona, obviously, than Mm -hmm. just healthcare, but that is where UCF College of Medicine is. Our newly announced College of Nursing building will be built right there. Our teaching hospital, is right there. Our uh, Burnett College of Biomedical Sciences is all right there clustered around along with the largest VA hospital in the country, the Morris Children's Hospital, University of Florida's Pharmacy Department, our UCF Cancer Center as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Veterans Administration's National Center for Simulation and Training and Healthcare is is right there too next to the VA hospital. So Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of really extraordinary research and application and clinical health care taking place there and our incubator is part of that research and commercialization.
0: I don't know. It's just like you said there's going to be nine. I, I can just imagine that you know you spend one day at your office and then you're checking out all of the other ones. I, I would think even if you do that once a month, that's nine
1: outings. Mm-hmm just to see what's going on yeah so this week uh, yesterday i was up in winter springs incubator for part of the day tomorrow i'll be at our lake nona incubator for part of the day that office looks gorgeous and then friday i'll be up in uh daytona at our volusia incubator yeah Yeah. really cool
0: really cool stuff that's going on over there um what ethical dilemmas do you foresee with all of this stuff that's coming out here because this is usually my question is Just because we can, does Uh, that mean we should? It
1: it never means we should.
0: Yeah. I I like the Walmart greeters. I like going into a McDonald's and having somebody tell me hello. And and I don't think we'll see robots there. No, there is. There's actually a McDonald's, and I believe it's here in Central Florida. There is no humans in it. Yeah. You just go in, get your food, and it comes
1: out. No, I can perhaps sort of see that in some of the fast food, the restaurants. I I don't know. And and it's a mixed perspective in my mind, because as someone who coaches business owners and entrepreneurs, there's business decisions to be made. Sure, We want these companies to stay in business, and yet we complain greatly if there's a robot or they stop doing things or stop providing services and uh, other things, because oftentimes we just We don't necessarily understand the business drivers behind it and the challenges that they may be having as as a business, obviously. But
0: yeah, the cost of, you know, hiring an hourly wage, you know, has gone up. But there's this place where I never worked in a restaurant when I was growing up. I I did other jobs. But those are the jobs that have helped people get more of the customer
1: service skills. I sometimes think that we should all be required to work in a customer service facing position. No, i worked in retail. Yeah. Yeah. retail That's another one. Yeah. Hospitality. I was in movie theaters and retail. Yeah. And yeah, it just gives you a different perspective on, Oh yeah. uh, It gives us an empathy, I think, and an understanding that we don't get otherwise if we've not been on the other side of the table, but getting back to your question about ethical dilemmas, that's, always an issue with technology Mm -hmm. it's it's an issue as a human right Right. let's take technology out of the picture as humans every day every hour every minute of every day i make choices about decisions what's right what's wrong am i going to lie about this am i going to tell the truth am i going to give that person what's really i owe them am i not every there's life is just a series of ethical decisions in Mm. many ways when it comes to technology it's no different because the technology itself just like money there's nothing evil about money there's nothing evil about technology so don't get angry with ai don't get angry with the robot that The choice is how somebody decides to use the technology. So the ethical decision is a human issue and really has nothing to do with what the technology is. Human nature is such that there will always be those that choose to use anything, technology or not, for personal gain at the expense of other people. And that's the reality we face. You, we're going to take a little
0: quantum jump over here. You mentioned something earlier about OpenAI, and I pulled this quote up here, and it was only released six hours ago. It says OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, has removed its AI classifier tool meant to inform users whether text is created by artificial intelligence due to its low rate of accuracy. Mm-hmm. The company made the announcement on July 20th on its blog saying that the tool is no longer available.
1: That begs the question, was that an ethical choice or not? To me, on the surface, I would say, no, that's wrong. I mean, one of the challenges with AI is how do you know? Yeah, it's the whole large language data pool that is, you know, being able to... And then that interesting part of that reason that you read because of its low level of accuracy yeah well if i go down that thread then i think well maybe yes maybe they should have removed it because if it was giving a lot more false positives then i mean do we want a covid test or a flu test or any strep throat test or whatever that has a very low level of accuracy Mm -hmm. is it better to not have it at all
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so the question in my mind, and that's a news story, so I wonder what's the source of it? Is it really accurate? What's the backstory? Mm-hmm. What are they doing to fill that void? Mm-hmm. Because a responsible company, which open AI has generally tended to be a very responsible company from what I've seen, and there may be listeners that violently disagree with that's okay. but I would ask that question, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? now. Mm -hmm. Because one of the issues with AI, as we know, and now we have the federal government, our federal government trying to figure out how to regulate AI. So this will all be interesting. But um, companies, companies in these really bleeding edge technologies areas have a lot of ethical (laughs) limits and choices to make.
0: Yeah, there was this fear. We're in these fourth industrial revolution, right? Mm -hmm. The fifth one's Right. right around the corner. If we're not already in it, I think we are. So When we see these kinds of things that come out, go back to Stone Age. Well, we used to write hieroglyphics on walls. We move fast forward. We got the printing press because, you know, it's all made by hand with monks. And then we got the printing press. Then we jump quantum leap again. The Internet. Oh, my God. Everybody's terrified of the Internet. Chat GPT is just the same same as the Internet. It's just and, pulling all of that information together. It's
1: just a better version.
0: <laughs> so here's the thing I go with when the internet was out. Well, it's on the internet. It must be true. Oh, And yeah. the same That's, logic it's chat. It, it must be it, true. It
1: was printed off the printing press in the newspaper. It yes. must be true. Yeah. Now it's on the internet. It must be true. Now it's AI. It must be yeah. true. Come on people be curious,
0: yeah Thanks. and that goes back to the whole thing about ethics you need to ask the why you need to not just be
1: afraid, afraid right or blindly assuming just following that just you just because right be curious yeah ask why
0: yeah yeah because that is how we distinguish humans Humanity from, from what audience, we're creating
1: we are creating technology. this
0: yeah yeah, yeah so it's like
1: <laughs> yeah this is our thing you know
0: yeah so we can be good stewards of it we can Shepherd it uh well into whatever we want it to be honestly so we are it's so hard to believe we're at the like the <laughs> end we're almost at the end I've never had this much of a luxury of having a long conversation with you because we are always had events oh yes and it's like <laughs> There's a line.
1: Hi, Isabella. Hey, <laughs> Isabella. Yeah. Then we get interrupted by somebody. Yeah. So.
0: The longest conversation I've ever had at, with you is when we go to the game jams and yes. I get to spend like yes. 10 minutes. Yes. So go, oh, wow, that's a long time. <laughs> so anyway, uh, best mentoring advice that you want to share with our
1: listeners. Recognize that you are very likely to be best mentored by someone who is surprisingly different from you. That's true. Very true. Working with entrepreneurs in our mentoring program. Mm-hmm. And when we ask them, what would kind of profile would you like to see in your mentor? They often it's somebody from the same industry, you know, that's done this and it's done this. And, and it looks like them in a lot of ways. It often does. And that, That may be what they need at the time, but many times we find that through our curation process for our mentoring program, we end up suggesting that they meet with somebody that they would never have picked on their own. And those usually tend to be the most impactful mentoring situations. Mm -hmm. So recognize that it may be, you may need somebody radically different from yourself. But even before that, I'll give two pieces of advice to get a B.O.G.O. here. Recognize that we're we're mentored every day. If yeah. We Let ourselves be. Hmm. Hmm. Mentoring tends to, I think, in many of people's minds, have this structure to it. you know? yeah. And 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 the right kind of mentoring relationship, it, it can. But there's just so many ways that we get mentored every day in ways we often don't even recognize. Think about those people in your your world those of you that are listening think about who you're around re- repeatedly maybe and maybe you don't even talk to them a lot but you watch them you hear them you see how they behave you see how they treat other people you see how they make decisions or maybe it is a situation where you're fortunate to have a chance to interact with somebody and you don't think of it as a mentoring relationship but you realize that you're being influenced by them they are challenging you to think about who you are, why you do things, how you do things, and to think about things differently in mm-hmm. ways that make you a better person. So I'm going to
0: add on to that. I teach three and uh, three and four year olds at church. I think they're the best teachers for me on how to handle adults. But I'm even going to go another step further, farther, whichever. I think that I learn more from a dog, a, a pet how animals interact mm-hmm. and how we should be treating each other dogs are the best examples of empathy you know and they they don't yell at you <laughs> they
1: don't you know well sometimes if you they may try to bite you but that's because you hurt them that's because they're afraid so as someone who does a lot of volunteer work for a small yeah. dog rescue we could do another, another podcast oh my gosh, yeah. on what you learn from working volunteering with animals, rescue animals of any sort, but particularly dogs, I think, because the unique relationship humans have with canines. Yeah, very nice. So we always share uh, ways our listeners
0: can connect with you. We have up here the uh, incubator.ucf.edu um, page. Mm-hmm. We put up your LinkedIn profile. Right. Is there another way that people can connect or follow you? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I do have a
1: Facebook page. I do have a Twitter account, C.A. Dykes. But I'm not that hard to find. Yeah. I don't think.
0: <laughs> That's all I've been told. Gotcha. Well, we'll make sure that we share that um, on the close card. And I just want to thank you so much for being here. It's been a joy, Isabella. Oh my gosh. It's, it's always such an honor to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for sticking with us and listening. Mm -hmm. Thank you to our sponsor Cat5 Studios and our video production and editing team, Dave Laporte, Tommy Myers, and Andrew Pagat. Music is by Sophie Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusive culture while skilling your people for the future of work. We also want to thank you for supporting The Intern Whisper by subscribing to us on Podbean, our Employers for Change YouTube channel, or your favorite podcast streaming channel. And please be sure to leave us a comment and share the show.